This is Air Commander Starscream, and you are listening to Half Measures. Uh, Half Measures? Sounds like Megatron's battle strategy. <laughs> Kia ora and welcome to episode 89 of the Half Missions Podcast. I'm once again joined by my friend and co-host, Paul Kanawa. Paul, how you doing? Kia ora, Dan. I'm good. I am feeling pretty lucky to be here. No, I haven't had a brush with death, but I have had a, a, a loss, and that is my laptop has been lost to the to the demons of the battery that has failed it, and I was without a computer for the last sort of 48 hours thinking, how am I going to do a podcast? Am I going to get fired? But we found a solution and here I am. We can't really call it the Half Measures Podcast if one of the hosts is missing. So <laughs> it, it brings in some complicated maths equations that we're just not ready for. No, it's a quarter measure. Indeed, indeed. Though we could do like a quarter mile at a time, like this, you know, that could, that could be the spin-off show. Only you could have made that association you know only you could have gone there and i really said it out for you and i'm disappointed because i'm really careful about the words i use so that i don't trigger you <laughs> <laughs> well done well done well i'm glad that you've made it i wish your your laptop a speedy recovery thank you and uh hopefully you'll be back in in full action very soon it's a, it's in it's in the best hands i've been told so um we just have to to wait now Indeed, indeed. Well, Paul, in between all of that chaos, what have you been watching? Well, a couple of things to talk about this week. Um, firstly, uh, continuing the the James Bond rewatch marathon, we are now into 1967, which is You Only Live Twice. Um, so this one, James Bond and the Japanese Secret Service must find and stop the true culprit of a series of space hijackings, get that, space hijackings, how cool is that, um, before war is provoked between Russia and the United States. Um, so this this was a lot of fun. Um, I, I feel like this is possibly, other than Thunderball, this is possibly the, the Connery movie I've seen the least. And so it's really, it's always great to, when you get to one that you don't know that well, because you sort of get to rediscover it. And there are a lot of great things about this movie, but I am going to quickly just say that, because I, I just can't not mention it because Bond, particularly early Bond has always been accused of like being a bit chauvinistic and there's, you know, there's some, you know, there's, there's some sexualism and often it's mild but it's it's talked about but one of the things i've never picked up on before and admittedly like i said i haven't watched this movie for like 15 years is there's some real casual racism in this movie that i just had never spotted before so that there's comments about uh chinese girls uh and bond i don't know if you remember bond is he's sent undercover and so he has to blend in and so they give him like a yellowish tan and they give him a, a wig and they put plastic prosthetics on his eyelids and change his eyebrows i mean it just honestly it's unbelievable but and what's probably most unbelievable about that is that the screenplay is written by Raoul Dahl which i was like this can't be the like how many people have that name but true enough it, it was so um yeah that was that was funny but uh well no not funny but that was weird but what was good was the story um great action great spy elements that sort of balance was back much better than I thought they did with Thunderball. Um, Connery is he's much more natural and it's a really uh, measured, he's really 
it's he's really got it in his wheelhouse now he's really got it and and so what makes that even weirder is of course this is the movie that as soon as it came out he 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 quit playing bond um so that was uh, an odd decision but i guess he was over it at that point but yeah it's um look it's another fantastic poster another mm. another classic new york lift style uh, new york loft style poster they would look look good in any apartment um it is it is hard isn't it to sometimes go back and you know like the the ra- the racism that they lean into here is pretty pretty hardcore when you think about it and it's it's kind of like it's so disturbing that it's only now that you kind of like but look back on these things and you're like oh god that's yeah that's not right at all and just how that stuff ever got across the 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 boardroom table is is just mind blowing and I think it's and I'm having a go at myself here as well I guess because as I say I think I would have watched this because Diana and I watched all the Bond movies together just after we met which is 2004 so i was i was a fully functioning adult at that point and i i am one well maybe i don't know ish i'm wondering why i hadn't picked up on that being inappropriate and so i'm kind of like yeah what has changed in me or in in the world so much that i'm picking up on it this time and not last time but uh look the scale of this movie is what impressed me the most it is I think I thought it got like this with maybe Roger Moore and Ford from there. So big sets, really big scope. Um, like Blofeld's got this rocket base hidden inside a volcano and you can even fly a helicopter inside it and they do it for real with no special effects. I mean, it's, it's, it's massive. And then of course you're in space. So I really, really love that. The theme song for this is, I will say, uh, alongside uh, Louis Armstrong's um, We Have All the Time in the World, I would say this is my my favourite Bond theme song. So this is the Nancy Sinatra uh, theme song, You Only Live Twice. Um, it's it's so good. You've got M and uh, you've got Money Penny on the submarine, Q turning up in disguise to deliver a mini helicopter. There's some really gold Bond moments in there. So um, yeah, this was a lot of fun and uh, just another classic it could be quite fun just looking at the some of the photos uh, from You Only Live Twice to actually rewatch uh, the Austin Powers movies after these. Because you can just see in the photos the the Austin Powers, kind of the Dr. Evil. It, the, the themes are so closely connected. You'd probably have a great time. It's spot on. And when I think, because I haven't watched that movie for a long time, when I think about what I recall from Austin Powers, there's so much that comes. Obviously, you know, Goldmember with Goldfinger, but this one, you only have twice there's so much about this movie that comes out in that movie so yeah 100 percent, great call yeah nice oh very good i'm glad you're going strong on the bond journey yeah yeah yeah. now the other thing i want to talk about and i'm gonna give you forewarning i feel like i want to talk about this quite a lot so just 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 let me go and i'm gonna have a great time with this i watched something this week on a platform which is new to me i'm very excited and despite it being against my religion i subscribed to the Apple, um, blessed be the fruit, Dan, because despite not owning an iPhone, an iPad, an iMac or any other iThing, the Apple have seen fit to make their streaming service available to the Android people of the world. And for $8.99 a month, I, for one, am happy to pay that price because it have brought me much joy in the form of Ted Lasso. Well, Paul, welcome to the Apple universe. Um, the walls to this ecosystem are high um, once you actually finally get inside the, the kingdom. So I look forward to your transition over the, let's say, next two to three years as you transition. you know maybe get a, a Apple MacBook, you get your iPhone, you 
yeah we'll, you join the other team we'll see about that i'd love to know when our listeners how many of them are, are apple and how many are, are on the dark side but um look this this is a show that you i actually looked up on our podcast history it was way back episode 32 so way way over a year ago that you uh watched this and i recall at the time you saying paul i think this could be for you um american college football coach ted lesso heads to london to manage um afc richmond a struggling english premier league football team uh i will be spoiler free for anyone who hasn't watched but you know i will have to talk about some things but that being too specific the truth is I did come to this show because of the football. And again, to any of our North American listeners, I mean actual football, where a ball is kicked with a foot, not not gridiron or NFL or whatever. Um, and if it had been a different sport, there is a high chance that I might not have gone looking for this show. And it would have been such a shame because when I look back at this, the 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 football isn't actually the real gold with this show. I mean, it's the draw card. That's why I came. But I, you know, I came for the football, but I stayed for Ted Lasso. Ted Lasso, Dan, is one of the greatest TV characters ever created. He's someone we should all aspire to, as far as I'm concerned, in some way, shape or form. He's got this overwhelming um, sense of, uh, of optimism, of positivity. He's he, he he actually his voice sounds a bit like Kenny Powers, but um, he's he's this wholesome, generous, loving version of Kenny Powers. Um, and if I could go back to our podcast where we did our um, t- our favorite TV characters, I would I would actually be putting Ted into that list. That's how good he is. This is such a great showdown. I can't, it's like one, it's like Cobra Kai. It's another Cobra Kai moment for me. It's absolutely brilliant. I think you, what you're saying is a hundred percent true. And I think, I think people might be initially apprehensive thinking, oh, I don't know if I want to watch a, a program about the English premier uh, soccer league, uh, football, football league. league. Um, <laughs> classic. Um, and uh, you're right. Like it's kind of just sort of a, a backstory to, I think the the absolutely positive and wonderful character that is is Ted Lasso, and it's it's such a, almost kind of a, a heartwarming show, and it's a great show to watch when like you, you're not having a good week, like things aren't going well. What would Ted Lasso do, Paul? You know, that's it. That is a really good question. What would Ted Lasso? Because it's it's so much more than. It's 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 about love. It's about romance. It's 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 about the human element. It's um, I I I just can't even put it into words. The the like if you think about the manner in which I know you watched this a while ago, Dan, but the manner in which Ted takes um takes under his wing um the kit man Nate, uh, mm. and and like no one's ever asked Nate his name before, and suddenly the manager of the club is now talking to him all the time, and he sort of brings him into his management team and you know he takes an interest in the lives of people no matter he doesn't look down on anyone he appreciates everyone there's yeah just those fundamental human qualities that i don't think anyone can dislike him you know and in the show the media and the journalists and the paparazzi and that they even they don't dislike him he's like it's like michael scott meets um tom hanks's fred rogers meets i don't know it's like he should he should run for president I think, and this is where they've kind of hit a real sweet spot with this character because 
like he's he's kind of wholesome, but he also kind of has a little bit of a an edge to him, which you know he does obviously have his own sort of flaws and and, and weaknesses, but he's not. And I'm saying this with love because as a huge Office fan, he's not cringe like Michael Scott. Like yeah, he's yeah, yeah. Yeah. like he's far more kind of aware of, of who he is and and kind of just holds these high aspirations. And I think it's just kind of interesting. I think coming from the sort of the American sports culture into a British sports culture and just the some of the differences and how it plays out. And I really enjoy the actually even just some of the scenes where. They'll see some of the plays that TLSO is organising, and then they'll cut to like, they'll cut to a pub to see how everyone's reacting, yeah. and that's kind of how I imagine a a, a UK pub to be in those in, in a football match. Oh, a hundred percent accurate. It's, it's so they've hit the the nail on the head with the culture so well in terms of um, how the how the British public would react in a pub situation in the crowd, the way they talk to people, the way they just. The swearing is out of control. I love the swearing in the show. It really, it, um, one of the other characters, Roy Kent, um, who I'd say other than Ted is probably my next favorite, pl- uh, uh, character. And, and, and it's weird because the type of player that he is and the type of person he is in the real world, I can't stand at all. He's, he, his name is, 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 uh, I guess based on a real player, an Irish hard man, midfield player called Roy Keane. Um, and his voice, the way he walks, the way he swears, it's like, I don't know, the, the way he talks to people is like my inner monologue all day. I absolutely love it. And I would love to see, I'm going to go searching for some outtakes because I don't know how this guy keeps such a straight face. He, he is incredible. The, in fact, all of the cast and, yeah, you and I talk so much about um, uh, you know writers and directors, and we're often slagging off writers or praising directors or producers. We don't talk about casting directors very often, but I've I was just so uh, so taken by the whole cast that I even looked up the casting director, and true enough, she uh, Theo Park, she won, she won the um, the Emmy for best casting. For, for for Ted Lasso and that's that's so deserved. This whole this show has won so many, you know, Golden Globes, Emmys, writer skills. It's it it's just so deserved. It's it is right up there. Um it's like I said, it's the, it's just all the the little things along the way, the love stories, the the little um human pieces. It wasn't something I expected coming in. So I think I was just so taken aback by the fact that I was, because they don't actually show that much football, right? And I was excited to see the different teams and they don't show much at all. And I don't care. It's like if this next, if, if they do three more seasons and all of it, he, he, he quits his job or he goes to a different sport or whatever. I, I don't care. I'm, I'm in it. I'm in it for, for Ted now. It's great. Have you seen the um, sort of around the internet, the, the rumor in air quotes here that Roy Kent is actually a, a deep fake and is a CGI character. Have you seen that? <laughs> That's that. And it's like because it like he's got like this this perfect beard and he looks like a a FIFA yep, player from a, the cover of a video game. And and there's there's lot there's lots of sort of articles about it. Obviously, it's not like this is a is a real actor and he's been in other things. But that would actually be a, a classic. You know, like Apple move to actually like it's actually deep fake yeah. character in the show, and yeah, so good. And then like, and when I when I watch the show now, I feel like I'm really studying his face to look for the more like human movements. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> oh, I would I would have loved that if it were true because, uh, as I say, he um, 
his character is not someone who I would like in real life, and I love him in this. He actually looks a little bit like um, Mikko Arteta combined with someone else. I can't quite put my finger on it. Um, there are a few great cameos which um, football fans will really appreciate, um, just sort of ex-professional footballers, um, real-life TV pundits. There's a, a guy called Mike Dean who is an actual Premier League referee who's already sort of famous for always being dramatic on the pitch. Um, and they use it in just the right amount. And also, if you if you don't know the sport or the game it doesn't matter you don't need it doesn't matter if they're a real professional or a real pundit you're just for you it's just an actor it doesn't matter and um it's it's, it's a show i'd recommend to anyone because it, it's as i say you don't if you say oh i'm not into football or i'm not into sport it doesn't matter this this is a show that's um you know if i dare say dan you're not into premier league football you know you and i don't often talk about what's going on at man united and and chelsea and that you know so and you enjoyed it so um oh and can i just also i knew there's someone else I wanted to talk about coach beard coach beard is just great he's just this simple easy quiet guy he doesn't do much he's normally got his feet on the desk and he just moves his eyes and that does all the talking he needs to do and of course when he when he does talk you really listen I, I cannot speak highly. Higgins, uh, the uh, the guy who's always like um, nervous and moving from office space to office space, he's he's spot on. It's it's look, I I thank the Apple for allowing me the opportunity to watch this because it is just amazing, and I cannot wait um, for the next third season. Well, just a, a little bit of a, a stats check for you, Paul. Actually, 38% of our listeners listen to this podcast on an Android device. So there's probably quite a high proportion that oh. um, 30% are Apple and the rest is other. I don't, I don't know what other. What is other? <laughs> what is other? Is that like a Windows phone? A Nokia. Or <laughs> it, it, it's, it's taken me down a wormhole. Anyway, um, I think this is the thing with Apple TV. I'm really glad that they've made it more accessible for people on like sort of platform neutral because you know Apple TV is a little bit of a slow burn. Like when I first subscribed to it, there wasn't much on here. Like they were dropping episode by episode of Ted Lasso, episode by episode of programs like C, um, the morning show, stuff like that. And now they're sort of starting to sort of slowly build up a bunch of original content. And I think I don't think it's one of those streaming platforms that you will necessarily have turned on all the time, but you might have it turned on for, I don't know, three or four months a year and just sort of binge all of the good Apple stuff and yeah. then and then switch around. But it's it, it, there's a lot of good content on there. Like I'm a, I'm a big fan of C. Um, there's some other great shows on there. So if you are kind of in that like bubble of what do I want to watch, go and, go and find yourself Apple TV. It's, it's a good space. Yeah, I'm. Whilst I've got my subscription active there, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna be watching for all mankind. Um, I may even may even dive into that this week. Uh, but yeah, I um look. Uh, you and I will likely be doing our top ten TV shows of the year, and I'll no you know no surprise here. This show, it's that's it's straight in there. I loved it. It's good. It's good. I'm glad for you. I'm glad that uh, you've taken on my recommendation, just like you one day take on my Ozark recommendation. Well, I've taken on I've taken on a couple now, Dan. There's been a few things, you know. Uh, Yellowstone was another, um, and you do have a, a relatively high strike rate in terms of recommending something that turns out to be good. So I've got to give you credit where credit's due. But before your head gets any bigger, Dan, uh, what have you been watching this week? 
Uh, what have I been watching? So I've watched another Marvel movie in my Marvel Timeline Order rewatch. And so we've just watched Ant-Man and the Wasp. So that's the, the 2018 movie. This is the, the second Ant-Man movie. Uh, and this is a movie that is quite important to uh, Endgame and Infinity War um movies because this sort of brings in the whole sort of quantum technology and some of the the, the key components are what are what are needed in the in the next two movies we need to watch. I really enjoy Paul Rudd as a as an actor. I think he's like not only is he a great actor, like I think his comedy is spot on. Though I'm not the biggest Ant Man fan. Like I enjoy this movie. It's just a I enjoy it the most when it's Paul Rudd having fun mm. and um and having some goofs. But yeah, it was it was great to sort of um get back on this on this horse, I guess. And yeah, so we've got three more movies to watch after this. Um, have you seen any of the the Ant Man movies, Paul? I've seen both of them. And do you know what's funny, Dan? Because you and I are always talking about you know I need to get on the Marvel Cinematic. I felt like I've actually watched actually quite a few. It's actually just the. The Avengers movies, I think the big ticket ones are the ones I'm sort of yeah, I'm sort right. of missing along the way. But I really enjoyed this one. Um, I, I found it. I I think more than anything, I just found it good fun and a lot of great humor. Michael Douglas, um, Paul Rudd, the, their sort of back and forth, um, really good fun. And, and yeah, I love the idea of the the idea of the character being able to shrink. It always reminds me of that uh, movie from back in the day there where they. I can't think what's called now. Where they shrink down and go inside the human body. You're, you're right. Like, and they do have a they have a lot of fun going going big, going small. Um, and it's as I say, it's got some pretty critical contents um, context for the next movie. So good to be back on that train. And hopefully, I'll be back next week with a couple more Marvel reviews. Um, but a TV show that I've uh, finally had a chance to sit down and catch up on is Sex Education season three. So. Been a pretty pretty big fan of the the sex education series. Before I go too deep into this, Paul, you are a, a fan of this TV show. Not a fan. Have not seen. Have not seen. It's been it's been talked about. I think you talked about it a while ago with the previous season. Yeah. So yes, yeah, so obviously I've probably talked about it at least season one and two. And so basically the 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 premise of this show is it's a teenage boy with a sex therapist mother. Ten, and he basically teamed up with his high school classmates to set up an underground sex therapy clinic at school. And so it's it's full of all sorts of hijinks. It stars um Gillian Anderson, she plays the the mother, Jean Milburn. And she like she's absolutely fantastic. So it's set in the I think it's set in the UK somewhere. And it's kind of just these highly I'm not sure what the right word is, uh sexed up teenagers who are just like obsessed with each other and um Gillian Anderson's um her character Jean, her son, uh, basically has has kind of he's Otis Milburn, um, who's played by Asa Butterfield. He has kind of learnt everything about the the, the sex game from his mother and so he's able to kind of impart all this knowledge onto all of the other kids and season season one and two like re- really good really sort of like cutting edge stuff you do have to kind of look past a little bit like it's one of those shows where the they're teenagers but you can tell they're all kind of 20 year 20 year olds mm-hmm. in fact one of the characters uh connor swindles was he was in uh vigil what we watched the other yeah, day yeah yeah <clears throat> and in this, he plays sort of a seventeen-year-old, seventeen-year-old boy. It's, it's very different, very different vibe. 
So season three, um, I enjoyed this season, but I I was a little bit disappointed at the same time. So basically, what's happening through this through this sort of entire show is there's two characters, um, Otis and Maeve, and they're they're it's kind of a, a love story between them trying to sort of get together, but they're constantly dealing with all these other crises and other relationships in the process. And it's one of those shows where I think season three was still good, but it it didn't do enough new to really sort of keep us hooked. And we really found ourselves this time not sort of struggling, but not just sort of not being as sort of like hooked into the show because we found particularly in season one and two, this is the show that we might watch over you know, one or two nights and just kind of smash it out because it's just such good fun. Mm. But this one, not not so much. It's just it's so much felt like more of the same. It's interesting, eh? How many shows seem to get to season three, and it's kind of like, yeah, with 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 music, they often talk about the second album. It seems to be sometimes with TV shows, it's the third season. I've noticed of late, um, and you're the second person to say this to me about this show because this, I think, this came out recently, didn't it? Just like in the last month, yeah, or so. maybe a, m- a month ago. Yeah. yeah, and I had someone else talk about it, saying oh, it wasn't as good as the first two. So interesting. I um. The premise sounds hilarious. Um, Gillian Anderson's always great. Very, um, he's a butterfly. I was like, where have I seen him before? Of course, he was the main dude. He was the main star in Ender's Game. And I remember seeing him that a long time ago, thinking he was a great young actor. And here he is now, some eight years later, and he's, he's still quite young. But um, yeah, it's, it's interesting. Why is it the genre? Is it just you know, is there, are they running out of story? Is it only funny for so long? Is it like we talked about with you? Is it the sort of thing that you just want two seasons and it's done or what? I don't know why, because it's, it's like very high production value. It's like a bright, colourful show. The The cast is fantastic. There's no shortage of sort of expense spared. And they're quite like, it's only, I think, an eight episode season for season. That might, that might be eight episodes for each season. Yeah, well, this is definitely eight episodes. And so... I, it's almost kind of like they're kind of just relying on the the same storyline and and it's kind of tough right because I think when a show like this comes out season one's kind of pushing all these boundaries but like oh wow I can't believe that was sort of on on you know streaming or season two sort of pushes that boat out again but then as you say, by the time you get to season three with shows like this and with you, you've kind of really got to do something really different to yeah. get people interested and on their toes. And I, I do kind of say this tentatively because, like, it is still good, um, but it's not as good as I wanted it to be. Yeah. Oh, like it's, um, it's a shame when a show doesn't quite keep the momentum going because often – as we say, we've talked about other shows that we love that just keep getting better and better, like like a Better Call Saul or a Yellowstone, or whatever. And it's, um, I don't know, there's just some shows where it just doesn't quite work out that way. I mean, The World Beyond is another show that we watch where maybe it's the same. <laughs> maybe. Never heard of it. Um, and then so one other show that I've watched, but I've only watched one episode of the show. So... Uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm season 11 um, just recently came out. Now, I sort of have a bit of a a funny relationship with this show in the sense that I've watched random episodes. I've never sat down and watched like full seasons of it in any type of order. But every time I watch kind of just a random episode here and there, have an absolutely fantastic time. And I've been seeing a little bit of love for this show, particularly for, for season 11 starting. And I thought, you know what? 
I'm just going to jump into the living and see what happens. I had a great time, Paul. Absolutely loved it. It's made me, I've been thinking about it all week, actually, that, God, maybe I need to go back and kind of Seinfeld myself in this and actually just just binge the whole lot. It's a lot of cringe, but it's it's so good. So I don't know if you're a, a Kirby Enthusiasm fan or not. I, I, I've seen, like you say, a few bits here and there, and it always makes me laugh. And I feel like one day I may grow up to be as cynical as he is. He, it looks like my kind of thing. It, it's absolutely perfect. So just to give you a bit of a context on this um, this first episode of season 11, there's, there's these different just everyday things going on. So first of all, there's uh, this guy who thinks it's ridiculous, like Albert, who thinks it's, it's ridiculous that when you die, people come and say nice things at your funeral. So he has a funeral while he's alive <laughs> and, and watches it. And people know that he's alive so that he can hear them say nice things about him. But they end up telling jokes about him and he gets real mad about it and upset. And Larry David, in the meantime, he's he's actually going out with Lucy Lou. And Larry David, he walks into a, a pane of glass accidentally. And now, like, Lucy Lou sees him as a bit of an invalid and he can't, like, you know, he's just like, oh, you're, you're walking into glass. You, you, you're, you're too old. And there's just so many ridiculous, stupid things like that that happen in the show all the time that are – I think it's a really a, an acquired sense of humor. And I think it's kind of a – it's the Seinfeld humor amplified times 10 and I, I i some of the episodes i've seen of this show are laugh out loud hilarious and some of them are like oh god but it's it's definitely piqued my interest as a show i might want to get involved in yeah look i think i think i feel the same way and i look you and i talk about seinfeld all the time and, and our undying love for it and larry david of course, has, has said that the, the character of George Costanza, who, you know, one of our all-time favorites, is essentially him. And we love that. So why? I've just noticed all 11 seasons are on neon. Like, it's it's sitting there waiting. It's the, Well, that's what I mean. Like, it's there for the taking. And it really was hard for me just to hit play so, like, so late in the season. And it's almost the type of show, and maybe someone can write it and, and probably tell us otherwise, that I would almost just like a – you know, on Netflix, you can hit like a play something. I'd almost like to choose like Kirby Enthusiasm, play something, and just give me a random episode. Yeah, and almost kind of watch it that way. But I would probably lose some of the the long term gags that I imagine are, are cooked into this show. Yeah, I feel like I could. Um, it's been a while since we've looked for a um, a palate cleanser, you know. And I wonder, I wonder if this one could be. I wonder if the, you know twenty eight minute episodes feels about right. Yeah, look, I'm I'm definitely going to be back for episode two. Um, that it might have actually dropped already, but it was a real a real highlight. And even thinking about it now, it's giving me the warm the warm fuzzy feeling of a good palate cleanser. So, expect more curb talk on the pod. But yeah, do write in if you've got some hot tips on the uh, the best way to watch the show. Brilliant. Well, Paul, it's probably yours and my favourite time. Should we start having a bit of a, a powwow about The Walking Dead? Indeed. And once again, a reminder to listeners, you can look in the show notes and use the timings if you're not a Walking Dead fan and you can move straight along to our movie of the week feature. But uh, this week, Dan, where are we starting? With Will Beyond or with... Uh... Yeah, we'll, let's, let's start with Will Beyond. Okay. So this is perhaps, you know, we talk about TV shows that we love. This is perhaps the number one show on the air at the moment. I'm not sure. It's a close tie. It's a close tie. Um, we are now up to episode uh, five of season two um quite a boy i don't know if that's how you pronounce it 
But uh, the description of this episode, Dan, I'm going to I'm going to pull pull this apart as well. Members of the group put a dangerous plan into motion, while others have serious reservations. More startling re- revelations come to light. Now, I I don't know how dangerous this plan was. The people that had reservations, I question some of their decisions and the startling revelations I didn't feel particularly uh, startled uh, I do have some big positives that came out of this episode but I will I feel overall I have very little to say so much of the story the 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 the, the, the iris the Felix her dad that side of the show I've really checked out of almost um, and then some other sides of it I'm still quite interested in but when I think about something like Ted Lasso and how much I'm so invested in the characters and the stories. It's like this, this could not be further from the truth. Uh, sorry, from, from that in terms of how I feel. Um, and I also have another question for you just quickly before I throw it to you is why are the walkers heads exploding when they're now being hit? Am I missing something? I don't know. Uh, well, I think the reason they're exploding is those um, weapons that they have are kind of like electrified or, or something. There's, there's some type of thing. Oh, right. That would matter. Okay. That does work. Okay. Maybe I missed. See, this is how little attention I'm paying. I've sort of not picked up on the obvious there. I did notice that this episode was rated 18 plus, and I find that a bit over the top for what we saw. Um, look, I think you know, we've, we've said it all before on the show and I, I really want to don't, I don't want to repeat myself every episode. I think with this, this, this episode was, it was okay. Um, I, I kind of found it was almost like two different episodes for me in the mm. sense that I kind of enjoyed the first half and I liked seeing uh, them kind of like a bit more out in the wild and seeing people like Elton take down a walker and it, it kind of it, it kind of felt like Samara and I both looked at each other and thought, oh, these characters have actually evolved quite a bit from the first season where they had sort of never been outside the gate and had, yeah. had no idea how to fight, whereas now they're they're a bit more survival smart. I think yeah, I'm with you. I, I actually just don't care about the story, and I the second half of it was sort of been much more focused on the the relationship between I guess Hope and Iris and what's happening back at the um with with Julia and I, look I don't know it just even even like our, our surprising them which I think is probably worth a, a bit of a deeper convo our post credit scene but. I'm just looking forward to it ending, Paul, to be honest. <laughs> we haven't got too long to go. We've only got five episodes to go. And uh, I, yeah, I feel like that post credit scene, or at least every time we go to the CRM and we have Julia Ramon as, as Elizabeth stepping up, I do, I feel like if nothing else, I'm paying more attention because I'm, I'm, I'm expecting something. And I feel like that the post credit scene, which was only 90 seconds that whole story, that whole side of it, we've said it before, that's where it's all about. And I feel like the writers of this show, we should work in Hollywood, Dan, because what a disaster it is for them to not focus on that side of the story. That's where it could be really interesting when um, we've got that new test subject being brought in. What are they going to do with this guy? What are they working on? Um, what can we find out? And then, of course, um, we find Jadis is back. So our favorite garbage, pale people from the walking dead she is the key link that we have been talking about and hoping for to link us into the rick grimes movie 
there's a there is a story there and I'm really glad that they've brought her in with still a few episodes to go rather than just like having her show up in the last episode so we we can explore that. I'm excited about that and it's rare that I say that about this show. I think you know it was a, it was a high risk move for them. It was only by accident that I let the credits roll on the show yeah. and having a conversation that came back on or I would have completely missed this post credit scene. And I think something as big as this they probably should have actually ended ended with as opposed to having a post-credit because it's so critical, right? And I think what's going to happen is by seeing Jadis there, it really just shores up the the Rick Grime connection. And it's going to annoy me that I have to get hyped about a Rick Grimes connection through the show at some point. And I can kind of tell that's probably what they're going to drop us with at the very end. So it's kind of like they maybe wrap up the story, but we get it. We get a, a Rick Grimes scene. It might not even be him on there. We might just see some some Rick Grimes paraphernalia or something that kind of just assures us that he's operating in this universe. But it's, I don't know. It, look, I don't know. We, we've said it all before. There's, there's nothing new to say about this show. No, and I agree. I, the only reason I stayed for the post credit scene was because you had messaged me and said, make sure you watch all the way to the end. Otherwise, I would have missed it, and that would have been really annoying. And it, it's so funny, isn't it, because she was – particularly one of my most loathed characters in The Walking Dead, and yet she's the shining bit of light in the show for me. Like, thank God you're there. That's right. Here we are celebrating someone who, A, has the worst haircut in the history of The Walking Dead, and and B, we never really liked because of her character. But it's it's that beacon of hope. What I would love is if, if you're watching World Beyond and you're enjoying it, it would be great to hear from you and maybe give us a different angle because right now not much is working and I guess we've only got five episodes to go and the series is gone but I feel like once it's gone then I feel like I will never talk about it or think about the show ever again in my life you know and that's a terrible thing to think isn't it Uh, it's so weird to me as well and I I'm sure there's probably an answer to this this is probably right in front of me but like the fact that you know here in New Zealand World Beyond is on Amazon Prime we get Fear the Walking Dead on Neon and we get The Walking Dead on TVNZ. Like, why are all of these shows coming to us from different networks? Like, I, is it because I guess maybe they're funded from different networks? But I would have thought on a universe that is so interconnected, AMC would have this on lock and be giving it to, to one group of people because, you know, you can't – like, how are they going to sort of stitch all this together, Paul? Like, if they're going to do a, a Rick Grimes mic drop, then you kind of want – your audience to have access to all of these and not everybody has access to every streaming platform i also wonder um because i know i'm renting is i'd be interested to hear if somebody's sort of watching this as their the entrance into the walking dead oh, like, goodness. and you know maybe they're a, a, a slightly different um dem- demographic from us as old white men and then they might be finding it a, a far better experience like i would generally love to hear from those people like and I, I would be happy for them to love it i'm just i think as someone you know we've been with this show for 11 years and so we we have expectations we do it is fascinating as well because is this the show that's finally proven that we are just too old to actually get it anymore and that's why i don't understand the music these days as well you know it just sounds like a lot of noise to me dan it doesn't sound like music at all Let's should we let's jump should we across. transition? Let's let's jump across to Fear the Walking Dead season seven, episode three. Uh, Cindy Hawkins, uh, June, and John's routine in Teddy's fallout shelter is disrupted when they discover the origins of their home and its sinister connections 
to Teddy's past. Uh, I'll hand to you, Dan, but before I do, I just want to quickly say that that description, again, I it's so much this focus on the origin of that place and Teddy, and of course the title was called Cindy Hawkins. None of those things actually interested me at all about this episode, but I really enjoyed this episode, and I enjoyed it because I just love the relationship between June uh, and of course you know, John Senior, John's father, and I, I put so much of that down to the the quality of Jenna Elfman and, and Keith Carradine as those two that I didn't need this 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 sort of story to drive that forward. I was just happy with those two under the ground and find out what happened. Yeah, I thought this was a a really great episode. I I really enjoyed it. I initially I think I might have said coming in to fear the Walking Dead, this is going to be a episodic type season where we just kind of see all the different characters. Mm. And to be honest, I'm actually kind of enjoying it, and I'm kind of looking forward to oh, who are we going to get next week? And because I think what they're doing quite a good job of is this is uh, these are character driven episodes, but we make sure in the last five minutes we actually connect them up to the wider universe so that we know we're not just kind of leaving this all all lingering i'm with you i like i'm a big june fan i think she's awesome she actually reminds me a little bit of um carol when carol's being cool yeah um and she's kind of got that like that hard vibe but also kind of kind of caring i i was unsure of um john's dad when he first came into this only because I was such a big John fan. Mm. And but again, I I loved um John Dory Sr. I loved his relationship with June. Uh, I thought it was great. I was it was kind of it was hard actually to see, I guess, John's character going through the recovery stages of being an al- an alcoholic and you know, the sort of the risks that it exposed him to. I actually really enjoyed the 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 serial killer Teddy element is part of this as well. I thought oh, that, yeah. that was fantastic. Um, the one thing I kind of I, I thought about you while watching this episode, Paul, is when they left the the underground bus, I guess, mm-hmm. it kind of had a bit of a Star Trek vibe to me because it felt like they were on this kind of like set and it was all kind of like yellow and kind of radioactive and smoky and it's like you couldn't see in the horizon and then like kind of people would appear and it's it just looked like a Star Trek scene. Um yeah, and I thought it was good. It's a fair comment. It could easily have been a uh, season three Next Generation episode or season four Enterprise um, very easily. Uh, I yeah, I feel the same about about John as you, and I think um, I've come to like him just because, again, the quality of the actor. I find, actually, on the subject of him, I find his voice, um, he sounds so much like Michael Douglas. I was sitting there thinking, who does he remind me of? And when you went to the point where, oh, yes, Michael Douglas. It was actually really distracting. He's he's really good. Jenna Elfman as June. I've always enjoyed her. I've always been grateful that I've never I didn't watch Dharma and Greg. So for me, she's not Dharma. I, I I never watched that show. So I've just known her as June. I think she was really strong this episode. I also liked, as you said, how at the end they sort of tie things together. So I liked the fact that it was Strand who rescued them and gave them shelter and food and a bed. And of course, that's not going to sit well with John. And and. And whilst I do have questions about how all these random radios are connected up and they're finding each other, I did like how it meant it reconnected Strand and Morgan. Um, as I think I said last week or the week before, that you know these guys may never see each other again if they were going off in different different directions because of the fallout, but it looks like they will. And so now, as you've rightly pointed out, if we're doing character episodes, you know, how are we going to, how are we going to bring in Alicia? How are we going to bring, where's Daniel? What's going on with um, Luciana? And um, what about Elle? 
what happened to her? I can't even remember now. Well, I guess there is there's quite a big group of them who were kind of heading away, right? Mm. Um but I think yeah, we're gonna get like obviously a, a Dwight, Dwight episode at some Sherry, point. Yep. Yeah, I'm 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 really looking forward to the Alicia episode and like we, we say this all the time, but I think Alicia is the most underused character on Fear the Walking Dead. And it would be it's it's almost gonna be a, a guaranteed interesting story because she's kinda of going down a bit of a, a dark character path, I think. So I imagine um retribution will be coming for Strand at some point. Oh yeah. I mean Morgan was throwing down the gauntlet as well. There's gonna be there's something's gonna go down. And this is this is this is hatred and and uh, vengeance between people who are living in a zombie apocalypse, which now has the added element of a nuclear fallout, and everyone's having to you know walk around in suits. I mean, it's not a time to be picking fights, and yet that's what they're focusing on. It's um, it's a fascinating study of human behaviour when you think about it like that. Yeah, look, another. So look, I think this is this is good. I think. This show makes Walking Dead will be on more tolerable for me when there's some good Walking Dead and some not so good Walking Dead. I kind of, it's a bit of an easier pill to swallow. Yeah, no, no good cause. Uh, Walking Dead should always come out in pairs so that you can uh, quickly switch to the other one if the other one's not good. Indeed. In fact, I try to watch normally will be on first just so that I can finish <laughs> on the high. Yes, that's the best way to do it, right? Should we uh, move on over to our movie of the week? Let's go there. So each week, Dan and I take it in turns to choose a movie. Uh, and then a week later, we sit here and we review it together. Uh, a week before that, we post in our Discord community what movie it is we're going to be watching. Um, so if you click on the link in your show notes, you can join our Discord community and then see the movie we're going to be watching. Watch along and then you can find out if we're talking a whole load of rubbish or not. What did we watch this week, Dan? This week, Paul, we watched the 2021 movie The Marksman, which you can watch on Neon here in New Zealand. And this is about a rancher on the Arizona border, becomes the unlikely defender of a young Mexican boy, desperately fleeing the cartel assassins who have pursued him into the USA. Can we just do a quick checklist, Dan? I just want you to check them off for me. Uh, Liam Neeson? Check. Uh, Holding a gun? Check. Dark jacket? Check. Looking pretty pissed off? Check. that's it that, that's all you need to know that is the movie right there that's what drew me in um i guess uh full spoilers I, I need to talk about some of the things in this movie for me i thought this was a great Liam Neeson hating i feel like i feel like there's no other actor or actress who based on a certain poster type when i press play i know as i've just sort of tried to demonstrate that i know exactly what i'm going to get but it's always going to be a different flavor so it's like your favorite sort of um if you think about a whittaker's block or a block of chocolate that gets mixed in with different flavors you you know that you already love the chocolate and this is going to be a different spin on it and it might be for you it might not this one was definitely for me how about you paul you know what was the last liam neeson movie we watched honest honest thief what what did i say to you in that in, in that review uh you said paul i think he should give this up it's been overdone. I've had enough. I don't want to watch anymore. I feel like with this movie, and my just for the the people at home, my my hand has gone on my hip. It is like this is like the now. I feel like I'm gonna offend some people, and I'm not trying. I'm just trying to make a make a reference. I feel like this is the pack and save version of Gran Torino. I shop at pack and save, so come on, let's hear some more. <laughs> I feel like. They went. They were trying to do something a little bit more 
complex with Liam Neeson's character. They were trying to sort of show this old-timey, um, let's, let's be clear, Paul, it had to be really jammed down our throats in this movie, that he's a, he's from the Marine Corps, United States Marine Corps. Mm-hmm. He's got the tattoo. We had to talk about it. He's a soldier. We we get it. Mm-hmm. He carries his rifle around. He's got a he's got a forty five under his seat, and I like they like he was he was a little bit racist. He sort of had to like grow as a character. I'm just I'm just I'm tired, Paul. I'm tired of like I love and this is why it's so hard for me. You're Qui Gon Jin. You're Rezagul. You you are those two characters for me. You should be treasured. You I loved you in Taken. You can be a great. You are a great action actor. I feel like you need to do better movies. Like, I feel like the villains were pretty average, like pretty sort of undercooked. I felt like undercooked sort of story, the relationship was between uh, Liam Neeson and uh, Miguel was, it felt a bit forced. Yeah. Big spoiler. They killed the dog. That was like, I was like, right, that's it. I'm, I'm. <laughs> I, I literally looked at Samara and I'm like, one gun, one gun for this movie. You never kill the dog. It was too much for me. <laughs> See, well, I took it to mean, because they'd, they'd set this movie up so that we were, uh, right from the start, you're rooting for him and the kid. Um, and if there was any chance that you weren't, when the cartel, when the drug cartel kill his dog, that that's the final straw. Now, now you're totally Team Neeson. And you want him to take it out on these, uh, the, this Mexican drug cartel. I look for me. I love this. It feels like it's my popcorn movie. The type we talk about a lot. I thought, I thought the support casts were good. I loved the the young kid Jacob Perez who played Miguel. I thought he was very impressive. I loved his back and forth. Um, I I thought that. They did paint him quite, as you say, uh, older, racist. They made it very obvious that he had no one else left in his life. He lost his house. Everything was gone. He didn't even want that bag of money when he found it. And so I was convinced that that meant he was going to be gone, Burgers. And then when he's showing the kid how to use the gun, I was like, okay, I know what's going to happen here. Uh, the bad guy's going to take out Neeson and then the kid will be forced to take out the bad guy. And and of course that didn't happen. So I quite like the fact that they, they sort of lined it up to be one thing and then, and then it wasn't. They made him look older, you know, it had the grey hair, the the slow walk. But as you as you rightly point out, he was very much a, uh, uh, you know, in the service, he was, he can still shoot with that gun, no problem whatsoever. Did you spot the Taken reference with the phone call? No, I didn't. It was, no. it's almost blinking. You miss it. And I turned to Diana when he said it and I was like, did, did, did that just happen? So when he's on the phone to, um, oh, what was her name? The, the, the one, uh, Sarah. Oh, Catherine Winnick. Yeah. And she was just talking to him and trying to warn him. She said, Jim, they will find you. They will kill you. And it, it, she literally says it just like that, um, and it's such an obvious um, ticket taken. It was uh, that was that was kind of funny. I think then this is like all the ingredients are there to do something good. Like again, like I think that like like you've got Liam Neeson. Like you've already got your big draw card. I think he's good at these sorts of action movies, but I think just a bit of a, a tune up on the story, a bit more character depth. I think it could have just gone from being something that was kind of okay to something 
a, with just a little bit more depth even for an action movie. And I'll tell you the thing that really just like crossed the line for me, Paul, above, above the dog, is when they get to the end of this movie and they finally get uh, Miguel to his family in Chicago. It's like the family's all like, oh, Miguel, there's hugs. There's people like, do you guys, look, the cartel isn't just three people. You, <laughs> you know, like you don't just like get dropped off at the home in Chicago, where they know you're going to, and it's over. Like, Liam Neeson fades to black. Like, you God, you better be on protect duty, because this is just the start of the story. I, I, I don't think we've got time to go into it, but I don't think... The, uh, we could always do a rewatch if you're keen. I, <laughs> I don't think the cartel knew about this address. I don't think, because that was only ever written down on a piece of paper, wasn't it? And I don't know. Um, oh, look, who knows? I What I... What I found interesting here is, and I find it really, really interesting that both you and I picked up on this. So you just made the liken to Gran Torino. I felt that this had a real Clint Eastwood vibe about it. And, you know, they even had in the motel, Liam Neeson and the kid watching the movie was Hang Him High was the Clint movie. And so I had a look at the the director, um, Robert Lorenz, and he worked on 15 Clint Eastwood movies from 95 through to 2014 as a second unit director. So now he's in the big chair. It makes sense for him to start with this kind of movie. My biggest complaint actually about this movie was the bad guys. I'm, I'm going to make a bit of a sweeping, insulting statement. I thought they were all very B-grade, but I I thought the rest of the support cast were good. I, I had a lot of fun watching it, and I guess I knew going into it what to expect but i think then to to be balanced because you know i like to be balanced the audiences the critics alike are scoring this at sort of 44 percent, five out of ten and so i think i think actually the force is with you yeah and i think you know like you mentioned on the villains i don't think it would have taken much to like lift this film up into a, a next level of sort of review or, or ranking score um and I, I wonder whether this was obviously made during it came out in twenty twenty one, so obviously made during pandemic times as well. So I imagine that adds a whole bunch of challenges. It's just a shame because I I do feel like a lot of love for Liam Neeson, and I feel like a real scumbag every time I come on the podcast. And I'm like, oh god, another Liam Neeson movie I'm, I'm <laughs> ragging on. I've, I've, what would I go and think? I would really, uh, you know, I was just thinking we did another one uh, about six months ago, Cold Pursuit where um again Liam Neeson up north in the ice and I don't know I seem to recall seeing an interview with Liam Neeson about five years ago where and I won't do an impression of him because I've really ruined it but he was like oh look I'm that's it I I think I'm getting past doing these action movies and so I kind of felt like oh I'm not going to get any more because I love that take and and so each time one comes out and if there is a b-grade movie-ness to it he's the one actor that seems to uh I seem to still enjoy it. So I see a lot of Bruce Willis or or Steven Seagal or I, I don't know, just other actors that are doing a lot of B-grades and I'm never interested. But for some reason, some reason Liam Neeson still draws me in and you can you can bet your bottom dollar if another one comes up, Dan, I'll be putting it in the mix for movie of the week. <laughs> and you know what? I, I knew what I was getting into as soon as I as soon as I Picked this movie out of the two choices. I knew this was, I was, I was setting myself up for failure. I, I was really surprised when I put it in there. I thought, oh, Dan's not going to go for this. We're definitely going to get the other. So I was, I was sort of going, woohoo. As you can. It creates great, great content. Shall we, uh, oh, wait, should we give it, 
what's your what's your guns that can both score on that one? Oh, look, I will. I had a great time, but I will be honest and say it's a one and a half guns. It, it, it isn't. I recognise it is not a a great movie, but it is a good fun popcorn movie if you know what you're getting into. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, and that look, I'll agree with that. That's good. All right, shall I take us on over to the uh, news desk? Yeah, what's going on? All right, so there's not a lot happening on, on in the sort of news space today, but a, a couple of things. So, uh, are you a fan of the Boondock Saints movie, Paul? There's uh, there's been two of them so far. Stars a uh, friend of the of the show, Norman Reedus. We're often raving about him on on the Half Measures podcast. Aren't we just, yeah, I remember the first so, one. I remember the first one. Yeah. So they are making a third movie with the original cast and director. So uh, Sean Patrick Flannery, Norman Reedus, and Troy Duffy. So I actually imagine this this could be quite a bit of fun. It was the first movie was a was a great sort of surprise hit back in nineteen ninety nine. So hopefully they can capture some of that magic. Yeah. But I I also sort of wonder if actually maybe some of it's. Um, you know, less known cast almost kind of made it made it better. Obviously, William Dafoe in it as well might have made it better. So, I'm sure we'll hear more about that as that project starts to come together. Nice. Um, obviously, we've had the uh, the Book of Boba Fett uh, trailer uh, drop. I don't know about you, Paul, whether you you've had a watch of it or you're sort of analysing all the details. I, I have watched it. I have uh, made promises in our Discord community that I won't I won't talk about it. But suffice to say, it did enough to get me hyped up and thinking, I can't wait to, to get in amongst this. Yeah, no, definitely. I have only watched half of the trailer. So I started watching the trailer and then I was like, I don't need to see this. I'm I'm guaranteed to watch it. Like I yeah. and so yeah. I, I, I hit the, I stopped it and I thought, you know what? Don't need to know anymore. I'm already on board. Big fan. Can't wait. Christmas is gonna be great. We've got Cobra Kai, we've got the Book of Boba Fett. Ah, oh, it's gonna be so good. And before that, we've got Yellowstone next week. It's so oh, much going on. There's so much coming oh. up. Great time to be a, a TV fan. Um, Netflix has um, started its gaming service, and so it's now available in the US. Great news for you, Paul. Um, you'll need an Android phone or tablet to make it work. So Thank great you. news for your people. For, for your people. I hear what you said there. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I imagine I imagine we'll get more more and more info as it starts to sort of roll out around the world. Uh, Dune um, is officially getting uh, a, a sequel, which is good. Um, I, I I've heard a, a lot of um, good reviews about Dune, though I have heard that it kind of finishes in a spot, leaving you wanting more. So fantastic news that they are looking to release the second part in twenty twenty three. Nice. And then a final bit of news, a whole bunch of new stuff is coming to Disney Plus this month. One of those things is uh, Jungle Cruise, which I reviewed uh, um, about a month or so ago. Highly recommended for a bit of a, a Sunday afternoon movie. But more of more interest to myself in particular is Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. So never quite made it to the theatre to see that new Marvel movie, and I'll be able to watch it in the pleasure of my own home. It's even better, right? That's the sweetest deal of all, I reckon. So good, so good. I I can't wait. Anything on your end, Paul? Um, not not really, because I, I was going to just talk briefly about the trailer for Book of Boba Fett. But um, the only other thing that came across my sort of uh, social media this week, and I'm not sure how much interest it will be to me to watch um, the House of Gucci um, 
I, I don't really buy or whatever Gucci, but it's kind of like the, the trailer and the poster look great. And the cast, like there's Al Pacino, Adam Driver, Jared Leto, Jeremy Irons. There's, there's a whole... Lady Gaga. Well, you know, you can't, not everything can be great, but the, the rest of them, I'm not, I, I can't be honest. I, I can't be honest. I can't lie. I, uh, I'm not a huge fan of, of her music, so I don't know what she's like on the silver screen. I guess we'll see. Pause up, little monster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> this is the second time. I, I reckon you and I should should swap musical because uh, it's the second time we've talked about music recently. Where I was, I was talking about the Billie Eilish um, Bond theme, and you're like, Paul, you couldn't be more wrong if you tried. It's kind of. Like, I think we're definitely out of sync on the music. That could be a, maybe we'll do a, a side podcast about that. Um, let's. Should we call that podcast? It's too loud. Turn it down. <laughs> it is too loud. I'm sick of it. <laughs> Um, uh, let's go across to the the mailbag where things are a lot a lot calmer. A um, couple of things this week, Dan. And firstly, we may need we may need a TARDIS um, to just to go back in time and explain why when we uh, when we go there. So here we. So one of our relatively new listeners uh, from originally from Dagenham in East London. Uh, this is, uh, Tony. He's been enjoying the podcast so much. He has decided to go back to the very start of half measures podcast all the way back to December, 2019, uh, from episode one. And he's playing catch up. He's listening to every episode whilst also listening to our weekly drops. I, I love that. Cause that's what I did with, um, some podcasts I discovered like um like quickly Kevin and Mission Log, I only did that because I was really enjoying those podcasts. So it's really nice to hear that if someone's going to do that and go back because it's going to take hours to get through nearly two years of our ramblings, and doing it in bulk that can't be good for anyone's health. Do you know how Taylor Swift is re-recording all of her music for Spotify? I feel like we need to go back, Paul, and re-record the first. 80 episodes yeah. just to actually bring them up to the standard they need to be correct it's not even for the listeners it's just for our own um peace of mind right uh Indeed. yeah and that's not all done um so as he's been catching up he's he's also uh, sent through the odd comment here and there about a few episodes so i thought i'd mention just uh a couple to take on our, our tardis trip down memory lane so episode six then we're going way back 10 movies to know me uh uh, he says he agrees with your comment about Tom Cruise as, as Jack Reacher in the context of the books, uh, how it doesn't quite work. Because, uh, of course, Jack Reacher is described as as being quite a tall, intimidating character. And maybe Tom Cruise doesn't quite carry that vibe. I remember you and I talked about it at the time because I don't read the books. But uh, there we go. Uh, episode seven. I'll only do a couple. Ten, ten TV shows to know me. Uh, question for Dan. Um if, as you say, the Detectress is the last of the summer wine for our generation, then what does that make the Larkins? <clears throat> Look, I've, I've got to be honest. I, I'm not familiar with the, the Larkins and the, the Darling Buds of May universe. So to, in my own mind, the Detectress still kind of stands as the as, as my version of the, the modern yeah. day last of the summer wine. It may be slightly different for somebody else, but yeah, I'm... That this is a, a, but if you're telling me, it depends what you're telling me here. Are you telling me that the Larkins is something that I should be watching? Because that, that, that's that's different again. Because then I'll, I'll reevaluate my whole opinion. But it needs to be in the, it needs to be at the quality of the Detectorus. Hundred percent. Oh yeah, I think. I mean, the Larkins being the darling buds of May for for this generation. It's um, yeah, I haven't seen the Larkins, and I 
I will probably give it a go just for a trip down memory lens lane sake because I did I did used to watch um, Darling Buds of May. I used to enjoy that. But anyway, uh, great to have you on the journey, Tony, and uh, hope you enjoy going through all the episodes. And uh, feel free to keep on you know dropping us a, a comment here and there so we can go back on a memory lane trip. More feedback for you, Dan. Um, last week you mentioned on the podcast your. Uh, I think it's your surprise that none of our peak performance suggestions had, had sort of mentioned old boy. Um, well, we did hear from Penny in Ireland who heard what you you said and, and wrote, uh, just dropping a line to say, I did see old boy. And while Josh was good in it, uh, this is Josh Brolin, uh, I'm going to be a proper snob and say I preferred the Korean original as I thought the remake was a bit too American, if that makes any sense. I think that that's a good shout, Penny. I think uh, you know, particularly coming off movies, you know, sorry, TV shows like Squid Games, there is something to be said for the original. In in, mo- in fact, in all cases, when there's a remake, and we talked about it with uh, the Guilty in the last episode, yeah. the original is often the best. And I think, particularly in in the foreign language category, I, I, without a doubt, the Korean version will be the best. I, I good shout, Penny. Good shout. I, I respect you for that. Nice. Always good to hear from people. Uh, also, uh, last week, and this was a bit of a another one of our podcast highlights, I think. Then, so we've had a few endorsements along our, our journey. You know, we had a, a, a retweet from Ricky Gervais. We had Jim Field Smith from Criminal UK describe us as a thoughtful discussion. You know, other writers and actors. This time, it's half measures that's being quoted. So back in podcast eighty six. And we were talking about uh, the New Zealand show, The Panthers, um, which was the New Zealand show set in the 1970s uh, about the the Polynesians who, you know, taking on the racial inequities and so on. I mentioned a couple of weeks ago in the mailbag that both the the two showrunners had contacted us to say thanks for the review. Um, This week on both the series' uh, official Facebook and Instagram pages, um, they they quoted um, three things that were said in that review and put it with images on on their social media pages um, and saying that the you know the comment had come from the podcast and I feel like there's now an outside chance that the quote could appear on the Blu-ray release in December and then and the only the only next step for us then is to be you know in the in the real film review squad will be on all the Blu-rays and all the posters and things. That's uh, that's that's awesome. It reminds me of video games back in the day, where you'd pick up a video game and it would be like IGN said blah 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 about it, and like, good work, Paul. Good work. Yeah, it's nice. Eh? It's nice. Um, last week's peak performance uh, was Martin Freeman, so we had a few come in as always. So Sarah from Wellington went with uh, Bilbo Baggins from the final Hobbit movie. I can't remember the title of that. She just put final movie, whichever the third one was, I guess. Um, Michael from North Carolina has kept his word. He's back again. Uh, this time a three, two, one uh, of Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Dr. Watson in Sherlock and his number one is Tim Canterbury from The Office, which he also mentions, and this is as an all-American rock and roller, he still thinks that the, the UK office is better than the US office controversial we love them both i think that's a whole podcast discussion right there i don't think they can be compared like <laughs> they're too spe- they're too special in their own right but um i'll do that slide 
Yeah, okay. Uh, Jessica Lynn Verdi from Roddenberry Podcast. Uh, she, oh no, she couldn't, she could, sorry, she couldn't choose a favorite. She just commented that she loves him and everything. And then finally, Paddy from Time Traveling Team Podcast gave us his 321 Love Actually, Dr. Watson in Sherlock, and also uh, Bilbo Baggins in The Desolation of Smog. That's the mailbag this week then. Very good. So yeah, make sure you write in if you've got any thoughts, feedback, recommendations of your own. We would love to hear from you. Shall we jump on over to the peak performance? Indeed. Always a favorite of mine, this segment, Dan. Uh, Just like our movie of the week, we take it in turns to choose an actor, director, producer, someone from the movie industry or the TV industry and take a look back at what they've done and say what's the best they've ever done and this week Dan it was your choice and who did you go with this week Paul we have gone with Woody Harrelson so I'll kick us off shall I I let's go this was a great choice because I knew instantly where my um, peak performance was. And so I had a good think about what else I might talk about. And in the end, my honorable mention would be for his role as as Beckett in, in Solo. And this gets the honorable mention for me in the end, because I have to admit, when I heard about him being cast in this movie, I was real nervous because I, I when it was someone who's, and it's not because it's Woody Harrison, I, I was the same way with Liam Neeson uh, and Ewan McGregor coming into uh, Phantom Menace. Someone I don't want them to be known people. Almost I don't know why, um, but I just feel like he just really nailed this role. I thought he played this sort of untrustworthy but likable guy really good. His scenes with Han Solo were were really great, and yeah, his name it was it was just it really stuck out when I looked at the cast, and I just felt in the end he did a great job. And this movie, to give it context, this movie for me definitely ranks top five probably fifth out of all 11 star wars movies so it is a favorite of mine and he was a big part of it but yeah the peak performance then unequivocally had to be 1982's cheers as woody he wasn't there actually it was 1982 with cheers started he wasn't there right from the start with ted denson he did come in just after kelsey grammar came in as frazier but and he only came in uh because coach you know the guy who played coach passed away so his joining was kind of something that was never planned i guess but he is just so good i remember watching it when i was young and he was always the one that i kind of i guess most related to or, or whatever i don't know he he never quite got what the older adults were talking about he was you know he was kind of a simple man and they're just likable and um i he was just great and then he showed up again yeah he, he returned in, uh, and played the role again in frasier no matter whatever he does, I, I I can't imagine him topping this. And I just wish that they would do like a Cheers reunion, you know, like the Friends and the Fresh Prince and all the others have done. I think it would just be great to have him and and Kelsey Grant and Ted Dance and all the rest come together. Yep. Beckett and Cheers. Great shout on Cheers Ball. I've got many fond childhood memories of watching that show with my with my parents. Yep. Um, I have a little memory about the context of it, but I remember sort of Woody been the, the the kind of simple character in the show and it was yeah, always a good value it does. yeah this was actually a you know a really tough one you know some weeks when we have peak performance it's like i know this is my one two but there's 
there's probably about 10 different movies I, I could have chosen here. And I imagine as the mailbag comes in next week, I'm going to be like, damn it, I should have chosen that movie because <laughs> there, there is so many good options. I'm actually going to go with, for my uh, my runner-up, I'm actually going to go with the 2009 movie Zombieland. Mm. And I just really enjoyed uh, Woody Harrelson's role as Tallahassee in these movies. I think he just plays this sort of perfect kind of um, knucklehead brute force character and such a, a fun zombie movie. And he just works so well with the wider cast, particularly Jesse Eisenberg. And like it, for me, it was one of the sort of the first fun zombie movies I ever watched. And I just, I had such a good time with it and I, and I really enjoyed his, his character. And I think a name like Tallahassee, like, there's so much confidence in a name like that. Like if your name is Tallahassee, you're like the Kenny Powers of this world. Like you can wear a cowboy hat and have no regrets. So, and for my actual peak performance, I'm, I'm going old school, Paul. I'm going, not quite as old as you, but I'm going for the 1992 movie, White Men Can't Jump. So this is basically um, Woody Smith and Wesley Snipes. And in this case, uh, Woody Harrelson actually can jump because he sort of plays a, a hustling basketball player on the streets. And this was, the, the for me, it's got a bit of a special place because it was the first movie I remember seeing Woody Harrelson in since Cheers and it mm. was so great to kind of, you know, like when you see someone in a, a sitcom role for so long, you kind of just think that's the way they are in real life and to actually, you know, see him in, in, in a quite a different role and kind of really evolve was so good. And it's it's one of those movies that it's been a long time since I've watched it, but it's definitely worthy of a rewatch and uh, it was a fun movie back in the day. I I really get what you're saying. Um I, you know, when you sort of see them in something for so long, I think the movie for me was actually, and I'm not trying to sneak another movie in there, but it was Natural Born Killers. When I saw him in that, that was when I was like, oh, wow, he's, he's not just Woody from Cheers. And so I totally get, I totally get that. Um, great choices. Um, I also love the, um, the, the, uh, the confidence, if your name is um, Tallahassee, and then the likening of that to, to Kenny Powers because of course Denny McBride played the character Tennessee that's right that's <laughs> in right. Alien Covenant so um, nice little link there great choices Dan indeed indeed well Paul that probably just about brings us to the end of another episode of the Half Measures podcast does indeed thank you once again for listening into this week's podcast and if you want to get in touch please do so halfmeasurespodcast.com or on Facebook Twitter Instagram or Pinterest at Half Measures Podcast. Also, a very special shout-out to our Patreon producers of the show, Samara King, Trisha Brady, Diana Kanawa, and Linda Tavner. Uh, if you too would like to become a Patreon of the show, then you can find those details in the show notes below. But until next week, everyone, adios. <laughs>